the air in Jerusalem, Passover about 2,000 years ago, was charged with excitement. Life had become miserable in Palestine. Being a Jew and living under Roman rule was not a pleasant thing. But the light of hope flickered in the distance. Why? The Jews possessed and held tightly to the promise that a king would come. And when he came, would set everything right. And so they longed for that day. And now rumors spread throughout Israel that a miracle-working man whose teachings were from out of this world, could he be the Messiah? Typically, they would ask that question after hearing him or seeing him or watching him react to a situation. The king, could this be he? The situation and the setting is not much different today, is it? People are looking for answers, or, or maybe more importantly, they're looking for an answer man. <laughs> Somebody to come and set things right. And occasionally there'll be a moment where you see some human leader or some uh, movement or something. You'll go like, ah, that might be it. <laughs> but no. <laughs> Four-year terms in America, usually about by two years, right? Going like, ah, oh, that wasn't it. <laughs> Let's try again. Never mind. In Jerusalem, they were longing for a king. I'd like to suggest that we're doing the same. That you might have come here today hurting and struggling and I don't know how you feel about all this snow and stuff, but I'm not too happy about it. And thinking, <laughs> there should be somebody who could fix this. I just came from about four straight months of 85 every day, sunny with a gentle breeze off the ocean. It's hard to believe this is the same planet. Maybe I could use a new king as well. In Israel, there were several candidates for the position. Only one was worthy. I would like to suggest that today there are several candidates, people who would like to take over responsibility for your life. And promise you prosperity and security in return. But their promises are hollow. There is only one who has what you're looking for. We're going to uh, read several passages from Luke today. And in this we're going to find five men who would like to be the king of your life. <laughs> Four of the men have long since passed from human history, but they represent movements that are still present in our world today. From Luke chapter 22, verse 66. Jesus has been arrested. He came riding triumphantly into Jerusalem just days before. We'll celebrate that entrance into Jerusalem next Sunday on Palm Sunday, right? 
And here he is. But not everyone is happy. The established Jewish religious leadership are not happy with what he has had to say and what he's done. And they are threatened by his presence. People will no longer look to us for leadership, they thought. And so they have him arrested. They dispatch their temple guard. That's the police. Imagine a world in which the church had police. Okay? And so this morning you decided to sleep in? No problem. We just send the temple guard over to wake you up. Right? With like a spear in the side. We don't have that anymore. But they did. Because Rome had allowed them to continue to rule over matters of religion and cultural practice. And so they had had Jesus arrested from the Garden of Gethsemane in the darkness while he prayed with his disciples. But when day came, the assembly of the elders, that's the Sanhedrin, the ruling council of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council And as they did, they said, If you are the Christ, that's the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. If you are the promised king who was to come, well, tell us, implied thought, and we'll back off. (laughs) They're not ready to do that. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I ask... You will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man, that was one of the titles given by the Old Testament prophets for the Messiah when he would come. The Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. That means at the position of highest authority. I mean, this king that we're looking for had better have the authority to do what he promises to do, right? Says Jesus, That's about to happen. So they all said, Well, are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it for ourselves from his own lips. Condemned. First candidate. Caiaphas, the high priest, and the uh, Sanhedrin who rules over religious matters in Israel represent a religious solution. If your life is in chaos, one of the common things that happen in America is you start going to church. And by the way, I'm a pastor, so I'm not not recommending that. I'm just here to tell you that if you expect the church to fix your problems, you're in trouble. Because you know what the church is made up of? People with troubles. You know who the church is led by? A board of people with troubles. And a pastor who has lots of troubles. Okay, I don't think you're going to find your answers as a result of church membership. But the Jewish religious leadership kept promising the people, just follow our religious rules, make sure that you have our approval over your life and lifestyle, and things will get better. But they weren't getting better. Why is that? 
I learned this line from AA and NA. There is no, I changed it a little bit, there is no religious solution for a spiritual problem. In other words, the church is a physical entity. It's people made out of flesh and blood. Our problem is a spiritual one. In other words, it's between us and God. (laughs) Now, if the church does a good job, we point people to the solution to that problem between us and God. But that's all we do. I mean, our whole job is really just to go, turn to Him. (laughs) We were in the same position you were, okay? But... The religious leaders of Jesus' day did not understand that. They, they liked the power of saying, you know, we've got the answers for you. We'll fix it all. We'll set it right. So then the whole company of them, the Sanhedrin, arose and brought him before Pilate. Now, Pilate is the Roman governor. He's in... Jerusalem right now because there is concern that there might be social unrest during the Passover. And while Jesus has become a solution for many people, he also has caused crowds to gather and tension to rise. And so Pilate is there to be sure nothing untoward occurs. And so the Jews have a problem. They have arrested Jesus. They have the power under Roman authority to do that. But now that he has committed blasphemy, claimed to be the Son of God, they would like to, frankly, remove him from the picture, execute him. And they have no such power. They have the power. They have their own jails. And they can arrest and imprison, but they cannot execute. They cannot even really perform the higher levels of punishment. And so they know that they're going to have to hold their noses and cooperate with the Roman government if they're going to get this deed done. And so to Pilate, who has the full authority to crucify, in fact, Pilate has likely come to Jerusalem partly to oversee the crucifixion of some insurrectionists who have stirred up political problems for them in Jerusalem. There are crosses even now being erected upon which those who have opposed Roman rule will be executed. The Jews would like Jesus to be included among them. They began to accuse him, saying... We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, the King. Now, that's curious because this hasn't even been mentioned till now. Their concern is that Jesus is blaspheming. He's claiming to be God. He's claiming to be the Son of God. He's claiming to be the promised Messiah. That's their problem. But when they go to the Romans, they know that if they say to Pilate, 
this man committed blasphemy, Pilate will laugh out loud in their faces. Romans don't care about blasphemy. So they present another theory. He claims to be a king. Oh, now you've got the Romans' attention. There is no other king but Caesar. That's what they would say. So now you've got a very difficult and primary problem. We found this man misleading our nation. He's the source of the disruption. He's telling people not to give tribute to Caesar. He's saying that he himself is a a king, the Christ. So Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? I mean, you don't look like a king. That's the implied thought. And he answered to him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. That means simply, I'm not really threatened by this guy. (laughs) He doesn't look like a threat to me, and he certainly doesn't look like a threat to Rome. I find no guilt in him. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea from Galilee, even to this place. No religious solution to a spiritual problem. This is going to be a shock to many of you politically minded folks. There is no political solution to a spiritual problem. No matter who you vote for next time, okay, your basic and primary problem remains the same. Your sin has created a separation between you and your God. And until that is reconciled, no hope for you and no hope for your world. But the Messiah has come. Stop thinking that the fate of our world rises and falls on whoever you elect next time. I'm sorry. I can tell you this. I'm a person who never watches CNN. I don't even have a television in Mexico. No CNN, no Fox News. Yes, you can live that way. Okay? And I'm way less confused. Let me mention that as well. Just before I left, the weeks before I left, I was running on the treadmill. And so, trying to figure out what people were so upset about, I was trying to watch 20 minutes while I ran of, uh, uh, of CNN. And then... After 20 minutes, I'd switch over and run and watch 20 minutes of Fox News. And afterwards, I'm going, are they talking about the same country? (laughs) You know, and I'm going like, no wonder people are so confused. There are no political answers to a spiritual problem. (laughs) And by the way, as a church, that really helps us a great deal. Because we now realize that, again, our only role is not to support any political movement, but to point people to Jesus Christ as King and Christ. And the only possible answer for this world's problems. In America, no... No criticism. I mean, I'm an American citizen still, and and I like living here, particularly in the spring, summer, and fall. (laughs) 
But our problems run much deeper than politics. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. What was he looking for? Yeah, a loophole, right? <laughs> he was going like, huh, maybe I can pass the buck on this situation to someone else. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. Now, Herod was known as the king of the Jews. He was a king with uh, about as much authority and power as the king in England. Now, I'm just saying that, excuse me, Ed, if I'm, I'm misspeaking, but I think, like, that's all for ceremony, right? I mean, highly honored is the monarch, but the truth is, politically, they have very little, if any, power whatsoever. Neither did Herod. The Roman way of ruling was when they moved in and took over a nation, they allowed the local political leaders to stay in place as long as they cooperated, as long as they were puppets of the home regime. And so Herod was just the kind of guy. He just liked being king because he could live the high life and kind of do whatever he felt like doing. Check out the text. You'll find out he lived a pretty unusual life but had no real political power whatsoever. But here he was. And so Pilate said, we'll let Herod decide. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad. For he had long desired to see him. He was amused by the whole thing. Because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer, no defense. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him. And Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day. For before that, they had been at enmity, conflict with each other. Well, Herod represents the way things had been in Israel through the years. Herod became king because his father had been king in Israel, and that's just the way they did things. But the way they did things was not fixing Israel's problem. Neither is it yours. There is no cultural solution to a spiritual problem. In other words, if you just hang out with only people from your own ethnic group or people of your own color or um, uh, attend the club that has the name of your group on it and that's the only place you go and connect, um, that's good. I hope that makes you happy. But the thing is, that's not going to fix your problem. Neither did it theirs. There is no cultural solution to a spiritual problem. Now, Herod offered no real help to Pilate. <laughs> so he offered, that is, Pilate offered to have Jesus released as a favor to the Jews for Passover. <laughs> well, 
Pilate is an amazing politician, isn't he? Because first of all, he tries to pass the buck to somebody else. And then when that doesn't work, he tries to find a way to get out of the whole thing. So he says to the Jews, I'm a good governor of your wonderful country. And it is, I know Passover is important to all you folks. So on Passover each year, as a good politician, I like to do some nice thing for you. So here's what I'll do. I'll release to you a prisoner. Now, he has one prisoner standing right there with him. Jesus. He would like to release him. So he thinks, I have to make this choice really easy for these folks. After all, they're not Romans. They're not all that smart. Okay? So he goes, uh, who's the worst criminal we have? Well, being crucified in just hours are going to be three fellows who have led an insurrection in Jerusalem and have been caught by Romans, probably who had preceded Pilate into Jerusalem. And he goes, that's great. Who's their leader? Barabbas. So he says, but when they were given the choice of Jesus or Barabbas, the infamous criminal, they cried out for Jesus to be crucified. Now, we're not exactly sure who was crying out. It was the people who were present, certainly led by the Jewish religious leaders. But they all cried out together, away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to please Jesus, but they kept to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, Why, what evil has he done? I found no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. And so Pilate decides to have Jesus scourged, whipped, beaten. The idea behind scourging was to bring a person within an inch of their life and yet keep living and maybe wish they were dead because the pain was so great and to then, if they survive the scourging, bear those scars the rest of their life so that everybody knew what happens to those who oppose Roman rule. You don't get scourged and then get crucified. That would be like being executed in America, but first we're going to give you a life imprisonment sentence. Well, the two contradict each other. Jesus... Um, Pilate was trying to please the crowd and say, certainly if we beat him, that'll be enough. But it was not. They were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. The Jewish religious leaders knew that if he was scourged, he would just become more of a martyr. Plus, he had this knack for healing things. He might just heal himself. No, he needed to die. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He didn't decide. He gave in. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they had asked. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. Now I want you to imagine what must have happened that day. And I'm combining the stories from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John 
to come up with this composite picture. Pilate's standing out on the balcony. He's got Jesus sitting next to me, next to him. He's been scourged, and so he is a mess, like David, Dave pointed out in uh, uh, communion. Nobody wants to even look at this guy. He's so beat up, and he doesn't look like a threat to anyone. And while he's standing there, he says to the crowd, with, by the way, likely the jail cell right underneath where he's standing. There's a very good chance that Barabbas is at his bars listening to what's going on, but not being able to hear very much. And uh, so he's trying to hear, does this have anything to do with me? And when Pilate asks, who would you... uh, like me to release, the crowd says, Barabbas! Barabbas! <laughs> Barabbas! And he's down there going, oh no, even my people are calling for me to be crucified now. I'm a dead man. I'm finished. <laughs> and then, unexpectedly, he finds himself released. Is that the weirdest thing you ever heard? It shouldn't be. The same thing happened to you. You're Barabbas. You're the one who tried to handle things on your own terms, right? But somebody took your place. This same Jesus. Barabbas, the radical revolutionary. This represents the strength of the human will. And by the way, God has made us in His image pretty remarkable, even in spite of the impact of sin on our lives. And it is amazing what human beings can accomplish. But this problem we're talking about, you're not going to handle by the seat of your pants or by the strength of your will. It's bigger than you are. It's bigger than any politician is. It's bigger than any revolutionary. There is no human solution to a spiritual problem. In other words, the problem you have at its root is the separation between you and God caused by your sin. Your human will is what got you into this mess. Also in recovery, we say, it's unlikely that you're going to find help fixing the problem by doing the same thing that caused your problem. (laughs) If human will is what got us into this sin problem, it's doubtful that you're going to work your way out of it. Even if you put all your work and your effort into being the most religious person on the face of the earth. No human solution to a spiritual problem. Now, so Pilate sends Jesus out to be crucified. And he is really upset with the Jews. And so he's going, okay, if I'm going to do this thing they manipulated me into doing, I'm going to make them look bad. They're the ones who came here with the accusation he claims to be a king. So when you crucify him, put a plaque above his head that says, this is the king of the Jews. Uh, Another 
gospel adds to the fact that the Jews said, no, no, put up there. He said he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, no, it says what it says. This is the king of the Jews. Also in another gospel, it says that it was written in Aramaic, the local home language of the people of Jerusalem, Latin, the Roman dialect, and Greek, the worldwide language, Koine Greek, that Alexander the Great brought to us, just so that nobody could miss the point. This is the king of the Jews. Now, he was trying to make a joke almost. I mean, does the man hanging on the middle cross look like a king to you? Watch the Passion of the Christ one more time. And if you don't have to turn away, look, that's your king. But he's the only one who fits the role. Because he's the only one who's willing to address the real problem. What's the real problem? My sin that separates me from my God. There is no religious solution to a spiritual problem. No religious solution. No matter how profound and great your religious capacity is, I'm going to need help because my thing went offline. You know what? It just came back. Never mind. This also is not king. Technology is not king. I could have put a bunch of points in there. (laughs) No earthly solution to a spiritual problem. On the cross is Jesus. Above his head, the inscription. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Now, let me clear up some confusion on your part. Hanging on his left and his right, two gentlemen loosely using the term, that we have come, thanks to the King James Version, to refer to as thieves. Well, nobody got crucified for stealing. They were Now, they might have also been thieves, I don't know, but the word is just criminals. And certainly we know what kind of criminals because, again, Rome only crucified insurrectionists those who tried to overthrow the Roman government. Because in doing so, crucifixion worked well, not only to end the person's life, but also to shame them. And to shame all they had tried to do and said. And to shame their followers. It was now an embarrassment to say, you were a follower of Jesus, right? I mean, uh, 12 men who proudly followed him ran for their own lives, right? In one moment of time, The man they were proud to call their king and lord became an embarrassment. Things weren't going well. So for us, the searching is over. That's what I'm here, I guess, to tell you today. At Easter time, particularly this week, starting with next Sunday... The king has come. We're gathering on Sunday to worship him. 
all week long, we live out there being reminded this world is really screwed up. (laughs) Our lives are falling apart. Life is not getting easier. I have little hope. And then I come here on Sunday and I look up at the crucified one and the light of my hope is rekindled. That's my king. He's the one I follow. Oh, by the way, if you decide, yeah, that sounds great, I'll be a follower of him, you you need to also understand you're being a follower of the guy who got crucified. Don't expect life to get easier. Expect that life not getting easier doesn't really matter anymore because you found the real reason for being alive. And you found it in what he came to bring. The Apostle Paul says this of Jesus Christ in Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That's God you see hanging there on the cross and next to him on his left and his right. That's you. That's you. The one insurrectionist represents you before you realized how desperately you needed a Savior and King. And the other one represents you recognizing how much you need a Savior and King and wondering why you waited so long (laughs) to recognize it. But one of them is you. By Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And he is before all things. In him all things hold together. He is the head of the body. The church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself. That was the whole point. All things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The time has come. The time to cast your vote. If it is for the one hanging on the cross, the Savior King who is crucified, know this. God is faithful to keep His Word. He promised to forgive you. He promised to give you everything you need in Him. He promised to give you a life down here that counts for something and a life yet to come that is glorious. And if that sounds good to you, then cast your vote and Be sure to come next week as Pastor Ed reminds us that the choice now is yours. Let's pray. Father, we thank you 
for opening our eyes again, we get so world-focused, so fixated on what's going on around us. We're like what the C.S. Lewis once said, Proud people are always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you can't see something above you that's immeasurably greater than you are. It is a paradox that our king should be hanging on a cross, despised and rejected of men, and yet he is the one we have chosen to follow. And we're asking not only that you would come and reign in our hearts today, but that you would make us an army of believers surrendered to your kingship that would impact and change our world for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.